Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And you're joining us today for our recap and discussion of Valor, book two in The Faithful and the Fallen by John Gwynn. And it's been about uh, like two months, I think, since we read Malice. Has it really been that long? Wow. It's been a little while. I think we read Malice in like July, and it is now October. So uh, Chad and I took a little bit of a hiatus with The Faithful and the Fallen, not because uh, of the quality of the work, but because of our own personal lives and it's just stuff that was going on. And these books are meaty. There's a lot of stuff going on in these. Yeah, I have uh, things to say both for and against the quality of this book. Yeah, uh, I think I liked reading Malice. Okay, um, this, this is in my notes. And like, I think I like, I should have underlined. I think I liked, <laughs> I think I liked reading Malice more than I liked reading this one. But I liked the end of Valor and some of the events in Valor more than like the the collected parts of Valor made for a better whole. But I think I had a better reading experience with malice which is saying a lot why do you think that is i think it's because malice was like this kind of introduction to the world and it was it felt like more of like a a coming of age kind of like there was a lot of potential even had waiting the long night at the end of it totally yeah Yeah. and so with valor i think what what kind of made me eh, just kind of lukewarm about it was that there was a lot of just kind of moving pieces around and there was a lot of like corbin just kind of not really being stoked about stuff <laughs> fully ignoring like this other half of him <laughs> we'll get in we'll get into it for sure but i just feel, i feel like corbin is kind of the main part of this series in my in my opinion he's been he's being built as like basically the main character of the series and i just don't he's really the savior no doubt i don't feel it from him you know like he's he's probably one <sighs> of my least favorite characters and I, it, and i think with malice he was one of my favorite characters and uh or at least one of the more interesting characters and in this one he's he's like the least interesting character he's an idea that the story revolves around really i suppose Uh, i think that um just you know the first like 400 pages of this book while there are some scattered battle sequences and stuff because i feel like that's just what you're gonna get with john gwen is you know there's running and then people are fighting and then people are talking and then there's some running and people are fighting and people are talking and that's fine I, i don't mind that cycle but i think that it was it weighed heavily in the kind of wandering around and lots and lots of conversations in this book where i was just kind of like all right um i guess there's fighting pits that were mentioned and someone got killed and uh, whatever Man, have- and now and now we're just in a completely different place and now i, I forgot what was even going on with fidele and now it's 12 chapters later and i got a okay where were we with you this are again not incorrect and in that there are rabbit trails of like you could very easily argue like fully unnecessary entire characters although sometimes interesting and although sometimes they do feed to your general understanding of what's happening in the world and like the world itself it's like a lot of pages or maybe a little bit of that additional understanding you know so it's like I I struggled with the value in some of those storylines myself yeah I mean like I felt like kind of just being I was I felt like I was being bounced around like a in a pinball machine kind of you know just the the pinball machine that is the banished lands i think that was just kind of it's one of the things about this series that's kind of frustrating me it's it's like about halfway through the series now we've read over 1200 pages and i just don't have like that vivid of an idea of where everyone is and what's really going on and that might be a consequence of it being the second book out of four right and that's why i'm going to hold a lot of my judgment for all of this because what I'm seeing is really cool, but I'm having kind of a hard time like 
caring a lot about like yeah. what's going on or who okay who i have a theory to... yeah I, i'm not gonna get into it right now no no because it's big and, and it's gonna be i want to talk about it until after the recap i'm gonna save it for after the recap but i think that seeing this entire story from the perspective of my theory will maybe not help you but i th- i don't know if it's right or wrong but it has certainly helped me and uh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, let's read. Let's do the recap, and then I'll hit it right afterwards. Yeah, let's do the recap. Because it's a big it. thing I want to talk about, it and it'll sure. be like way too long for the recap if I go through all of it. You know. Yeah, and I have other thoughts, but I think it'll it'll be better after the recap for sure. Perfect. Immediately following the conclusion of Malice, Corbin, Princess Idana, now Queen Idana, Dath, Vaughn, Camlin, Corbin's mother, and a few other refugees from Dunkerig flee for the realm of Domhain, seeking sanctuary with the King Aramon father of Halion and Konal. The group withstands multiple attacks, as Queen Rin rules most of the western banished lands, occupying the entire stretch they must cross to reach safety. They hurry through, her soldiers close on their heels, a constant threat, as they push north. Corbin is told by Gar and his mother that he is indeed the Saren Disclayer, the bright star, avatar of Elion. Corbin has a difficult time with this news and spends most of the book purposefully ignoring and rejecting their claim. Almost free from Rin's lands, they are finally overtaken, and a desperate fight begins. The result hangs in the balance when a local pack of wolven join the fight, not caring which side becomes their dinner. Brenna manages to use some earth magic to start a large fire, forcing the much-diminished attacking soldiers to retreat. Corbin also, for the first time, successfully magics fire into being during this fight, which also aids in their escape. Corbin and company finally make it to Dun Terrace, some dead, most wounded, all exhausted. Cohen, Corbin's sister, believed to be dead by her fleeing mother and brother, we soon learn she has actually survived the invasion of Dun Carrig. She begins exploring the tunnels beneath the keep, trying to figure out the fate of her brother and mother. She accidentally discovers the brother of the recently slain King Brennan, Panathrin, who was believed dead but really was imprisoned beneath Dun Carrig by Evnus. Using the same tunnels used by Corbin's group to escape at the end of Book 1, Cohen leads him to freedom. After nursing him back to health and helping him hide by poisoning the hounds of Evnis, Panathrin tells her he is fleeing and means to join the resistance. He asks her to join him, but she declines, as she is not quite ready to leave Dunkerig, her home. She is also unable to bear the thought of leaving Corbin's horse shield behind. Owain, the now king of Dunkerig, is informed that Rin is marching upon him. Wanting to avoid a lengthy siege and starvation, Owain, with Nathair and Eagle Garden tow, head out to meet Rin and her army on the field of battle. A savage and complicated fight begins. Odds are initially in Owain's favor, as he has more troops, but the odds quickly reverse as Evnis betrays Owain and joins forces with Rin. Owain, fully committed to combat with Rin's main force, sees his rear guard has come under assault by a hidden army of Rin's now attacking their backside. His forces are now trapped between both her armies. He tries to rally a few men, desperate to prevent Rin's hammer from meeting her anvil. Owain rallies a few hundred men, pulling them from the frontal assault, and turns to face the new force. Varadis, following Nathair's orders, calls his men into formation. The newly invented shield wall, five men deep, stretching from one side of the field to the other, Varadis is now passively assisting Rin by preventing Owain from joining his soon-to-be-overwhelmed rearguard. Seeing he has now been twice betrayed, and that the end is near, he attempts to flee out the side and into the forest, but is quickly caught and presented to a celebrating Rin, who offers him his life in exchange for his loyalty. He spits at her feet and is quickly beheaded. 
Radis, with a large portion of Nathair's army, then heads north, with Rin, to aid in her expansion, with orders to kill Corbin should they meet. Nathair and Calidus, accompanied by the Jihar, who make up his elite Eagle Guard, begin traveling to the fortress of Murius, an old giant keep. They have been told by Evnus that Murius is where the cauldron is being held. Hoping to eventually use her against Corbin, they imprison Cohen and take her with them. After the death of his friend Castell, Makin and two remaining Gadrai escape Foreign Forest and head to warn Romar's wife and son that Jael has betrayed them and is headed their way. They arrive a mere day before Jael does, barely having time to prepare. Jael immediately begins an assault, not the least bit interested in diplomacy. Jael attacks the fortress and after a long and bloody struggle, Romar's wife is killed, but her son and lawful heir escape using the tunnels beneath the castle. Makin challenges Jael to a duel, but the challenge is interrupted by Lycos, leader of the Vinthalan, who takes Makin prisoner. Makin is forced to row on a ship before being placed into the blood-bathed life of a fighter in the Vinthalan fighting pits. Lycos, leader of the Vinthalan, uses a magical item given to him by Calidus to force Fidele, Nathair's mother and queen regent in Nathair's absence, to do his bidding against her will. Her mind stays hers, but her words and body are his to command. Lycos pronounces himself regent of Tenebrau and takes an unhappy Fidele as his wife. On their wedding day, Lycos celebrates with a huge pit fight and tells Makin that should he win this fight, he will have earned his freedom. Once in the pit, Makin looks up to see he has to fight none other than his shield brother Orgul. Orgul has been separated from Makin and the other fighters a few weeks earlier having made Lycos angry and has been kept separate from the rest and subjected to regular beatings and deprived of creature comforts and regular food. Bent to his breaking point, Orgul whispers to Makin to kill him and free himself. They fight, putting on a good show, and Makin is clearly winning and must kill Orgul or have Lycos realize the two aren't actually trying to kill each other, jeopardizing Makin's freedom. The moment teeters on a knife edge, Makin pausing before plunging his knife into his shield brother, the crowd is silent and holding their breath. Makin plunges his dagger into the sand, next to Orgul, deciding he would rather remain a fighter in the Vinthalan pits than to kill his friend. And in front of all the citizens watching the games, he refutes Lycos' direct order to kill him. Lycos's men hurry in and start attacking them both. Side by side, they cut their way to an enraged Lycos and manage to sink a blade into him, but not before Orgul receives a mortal blow and dies, telling Makin to take his freedom and get revenge for the both of them on JL. Makin escapes. Fidele, seeing her opportunity, flees with him. Varadis is fiercely loyal to Nathair and his alliance with Rin, but he starts to question the moral implications of Nathair's actions, seeing his own side seeming to be the ones doing all of the betraying, and are quick to ally themselves with groups of questionable moral codes such as the Vin Thalen and Rin. Varadis is getting suspicious that Nathair is in over his head, especially after he finds out Nathair has been sleeping with Rin. After a successful battle against Rin's first sword, who is leading her forces, and Varadis, who is in command of Nathair's forces, Corbin learns from a prisoner that Cohen is alive, and with Nathair and Rin in Cambrin. After receiving permission from Idana, the displaced queen of Dunkerig, whom he has sworn to protect, Corbin sets off after Cohen. After escaping Dunkerig together and traveling many miles, all of which fraught by danger, Corbin and his traveling companions have all become extremely close, each considering the other as family. As such, Corbin is unable to prevent most from coming with him. The small party sets off, determined to find and free Cohen. Not far along their path, they find they are being tracked by a traitor named Ventos, who claims to want to accompany them and tells them of Isildur's recent defeat and how they were driven inside the city. 
Rin and Varadis' forces following close behind. Not wanting to be besieged himself, Ventos followed Corbin and his party, and they agreed to let him join them. One night, Corbin sees Ventos sneaking off and finds him attaching a written message to the leg of a hawk. Ventos' hound attacks, but is intercepted by Storm. Corbin defeats Ventos, but not before Storm and the hound fall down a cliff and splash into a raging river below. Corbin stumbles through the darkness, trying to keep her in sight, but runs into more hounds and agents working for Rin in the Thair, who put a bag over his head and bind his hands, quickly leading their captive away into the darkness. Corbin is now a prisoner, bound and being led through a mountain path towards the lands of Rin. Emerging from the mountain pass, they find themselves gazing down upon the snow-covered walls of Dun Vanar. Without warning, Storm again attacks the small party. She is quickly followed by the rest of Corbin's friends, and a desperate fight begins. During the struggle, Corbin is led away from his battling friends, and though he tries to escape, he is thrown over a horse and knocked unconscious. The arched gate of Dun Vanner and the banging of its closing doors are the last thing he is aware of before blackness takes him. Many years before the events of this book, a faction of Jahar, warriors sworn to protect the Serendisk Lair in the God War, left the hidden city of Telassar, their home, to seek out the Serendisk Lair. They were led by Michael, who is one of the Ben Elim, an angel of Elion who appears to be human. They settled in Drasil to await further instruction. Many years later, again based on the instructions of Michael, they head to Dunkerig to join with the Serendisk Lair, knowing him to reside there. Upon reaching it, however, it had already been conquered by Owain, and then Rin and Nether. Michael uses the Dream World to then find Corbin, the Serendisk Lair, and discovers him in the north. He quickly begins leading the Jahar warriors north towards that position. Corbin awakes to Rin, who begins asking him questions. Where is Idana? Why is he important to Nether and Kalidus? He manages to resist and is beaten fiercely, once again losing consciousness. This time, he awakes to Rin, finishing some concoction which he is forced to breathe, after which he finds himself unable to not answer her questions. Upon learning that Gar believes him to be the Serendisk Lair, she says there is only one way to find out for sure and mixes another concoction, this time pulling them both into the dream world of shadow and shifting dark mists, dark shapes coming in and out of focus above him, the sound of battle echoing from above. He has visited this realm before in his dreams. Rin is now with him and leads him, still captive, into a dark keep. In the keep, Corbin is led before a powerful-looking winged man, to whom Rin prostrates herself. Corbin is forced to his knees. The creature is none other than the evil god Azroth, and proclaims that Rin has in fact found the Serendisk Lair, and that he will hold Corbin's soul here while she returns to the mortal realm, and should kill him immediately. A commotion is heard, and a force of Ben Elim angels, led by Michael, swoop in and manage to free Corbin, forcing him to awake in the real world. Michael, Takul, and the rest of the Jahar have arrived at Dunvanner and managed to bluff their way into the keep. They are quickly discovered, but manage to carve a path to the room where Corbin is being held. Rin wakes up and instructs her soldiers to kill Corbin. One of her men grabs her and escapes into a hidden corridor, and the other turns to kill Corbin. Just then, the door bursts in and Corbin is rescued. Gar, Camlin, Von, Dath, Corbin's mother, and the others of their company have also managed to climb into the keep over a wall, and after a reunion of Gar and his father to cool, they all escape the keep. Back in Domhain, Varadis asks to lead the next battle, wanting to put his shield wall to use. Rin's battle chief agrees, and together they defeat the Domhain's forces, pushing them back to Dun Terrace. They waste no time in besieging the city. Adana, the On the Lamb Queen of Dunkerig, with a few others, including the 15-year-old heir to Domhain, managed to escape just before Rin, now reunited with her army, and Varadis, still leading Nathair's forces, take the city. 
the Thair and Kalidus reach Muriel. Due to Rin's machinations, a giant, who has managed to gain a lot of support amongst his kind at the keep, betrays the one in charge, who was preventing the Thair and Kalidus from entering. With the gates now open before them, they ride in and make their way to the cauldron with Cohen. Nathair seems to question Kalidus's relentless drive towards the cauldron, and doesn't seem to be pleased when Kalidus finds the cauldron and immediately sacrifices a giant, slitting his throat and dumping his bleeding corpse into the cauldron. He also begins chanting in a strange language. Corbin and company make it to Muriel hot on their heels. They find the gates open and a battle being waged within between the two giant factions. They manage to convince a few of them to join them and make their way to the cauldron room and see Kalidus deep in the throes of a spell. Deceived Jahar swaying in time around him and the cauldron, a confused Nathair standing nearby, and finally, his sister, Cohen, in the far corner. Dark forms begin coalescing in the air about them and are being taken in by the swaying Jahar. Cries of pain quickly turn to cries of ecstasy, coming as the devilish Karashim take control of their bodies. At long last, they have access to the mortal realm. Michal screams to get the Starstone Axe, as the cauldron is only able to open a portal for the Karashim by using the axe's power. They succeed, scooping up the axe just as Corbin and Cohen find each other, relief flooding through both of them. Michael rallies all of them out the door and they begin a mad dash from the keep. Once the axe gets far enough away from the cauldron, it explodes, which immediately banishes the recently arrived forces of Azeroth back to the spirit realm. Kalidus's enraged screams chase them as they run from the room. Having found Cohen and having prevented the forces of Azeroth from manifesting in the mortal world, Corbin, Mother, and the now reunited Cohen and the rest of the group hurry to leave the besieged keep. During their flight, they meet resistance and Corbin's mother is killed. Corbin and Cohen manage to get away, and the book ends with the forces of good momentarily successful stopping Nathair and Kalidus, but fully aware of Nathair's ever-growing power as he takes over more nations allied with Rin. Though uncertain of the future, Cohen and Corbin are happy to be reunited once again and set off to rally the armies of their allies, knowing that only united will they have any hope of defeating Nathair and the evil god Azeroth. Wow, I mean, as, as someone that dabbles in uh, writing fantasy books, this is the, how how did you put all this? This is there's so much going on here, and it's oh it's a pretty God. straightforward story. You know what I mean? It's just there's just so many of so them many simultaneously going on right now. Yeah. Um, so I think that my favorite part of this whole book was Makin. I think Makin is my favorite character. He had the best, the most interesting um, story. Like every chapter, when I turned the page and there was a Makin chapter, I was like, oh yeah, hell yeah! Oh really? I was the Camlin guy. I really, oh, really? I really Camlin was Camlin. pretty cool. Yeah. I, you know, what? Cool. I really like that chapter where Camlin is just kind of like bumming out and he's just like, what am I supposed <laughs> to do now? Like, nobody even likes me. And then everyone's like, hey, aren't you coming? Like, we all fucking love you. And he was, yeah. that was a really cool chapter. I like that one a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I say Camlin was my favorite, but the, and let me talk about what I think this book fully suffers on is like, he was my favorite, but I should have liked him a lot more. I didn't really feel this familial yeah. connection between the whole Corbin. I Bond, didn't really feel Ath it either. Yeah. Because I it was like buying it. We didn't have enough time with those characters because we we're all over the freaking place. But like it's there and it had to be told to us because there wasn't enough time for it to be shown to us, unfortunately. You know, and this is not me telling you, because uh, I know you're listening, Mr. Gwyn, to add more pages to your next book. <laughs> this is me telling you to add less characters because, well, okay, this gets me to. There's so many characters. There's way too. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Because this, this this might explain some of it. And I don't know if this is real. This is right or not. But I think this entire story is for the sole purpose of setting up what I have come to term battlegasms. 
<laughs> because God. it takes a lot of people and our knowledge intimate enough of each one and their motivations and where they're from and what they're all about and their emotional pulls and all these things and us in order for us to experience his battles the way we do his battles are amazing they're really amazing good. Yeah, it's his strength for sure yeah and i think that the entire story is is in place to set up these battles so that we can have like these four or five fa uh, factions and forces occur these really high level strategy things happening and us to get the emotional impact and literal impact on the actions within the battle like we get it and he explains yeah, it all yeah. and so if you kind of look at the story through the lens of like just trying to set up these huge battles you have to have this many characters even though it's really unfortunate like it makes the rest of the story absolutely worse but man those battles are so good like in writing this recap i went through and reread a lot of the books just to like freshen myself up with it and i reread a lot of the battles they were so good yeah the, the, the strategy behind a lot of them is very very well put together i mean they, they're very exciting battles because uh i feel like he has his characters kind of like you know like that scene in um saving private ryan where tom hanks is kind of shell-shocked on the beach and he's kind of just like looking around and that stuff uh and it's like all slow motion and he's just like so rattled i feel like <laughs> yeah. i feel like gwyn kind of does that with his character sometimes in these battles where like a lot of things happen over the course of a few paragraphs and then he kind of like grinds everything down to a halt real quick oh, and kind yeah, of like explains, yeah he kind of just explains like how horrible everything is that's going on but okay so yeah, you get I, this. I like, you get this camera that floats around and kind of visits yeah, all the people, yeah, but you know good. why that camera is important from those people's perspective because you spent time with them. Even though that makes the overall story worse, right? I don't so, like, know. I I'm don't... seeing it now through the perspective of these battle gasms, which I think is his whole point. I think he's a a, a violence and a battle enthusiast, <laughs> and like he's just yeah, yeah. trying to set these story up to serve the battles, which are man, I, they're almost worth it. See, they're I, so I think good. <laughs> I think that maybe I'm having a difficult time really kind of like collecting my thoughts on the on this book because we're halfway through a four book series and it's True. it's just that, it's that difficult too. it's difficult for me to kind of like land on any real uh, opinions of the story I can have I have opinions about like my reading experience and kind of like certain elements and like characters and scenes and stuff that's kind of like I can I can kind of like impart some of my judgment and my feelings about those things but as far as like <sighs> Like right now, I'm a little frustrated because the story just doesn't feel very cohesive. You know, oh, I don't, man, I don't, like, I don't understand why McKean had that whole like side gladiatorial quest. Like, I don't. But see, that's kind of like what I'm getting at is that we're in the second book of a of a you know a um 2400 page series, and so while like McKean being a gladiator is cool, like right now it's kind of like, why did you? do that though like what was the point of all of that it you could know? be its own book it, it would be a really good book it was already <laughs> some pretty cool chapters and i know that there is some significance to it but i think that maybe as we keep reading it'll it'll like ring a little bit more like relevant you know because i mean yeah i mean i'm sure if if i went back and like kind of picked some stuff apart i'd be like oh of course that had to happen but like i don't know like just like when it was Oracle, I was like, "Oh, you know." <laughs> of course, it was. Like wow. I saw that coming from like, a mile off. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not. I was not a big fan of the stuff going on with Fidele. I, I call her Fidele. I think it's Fidel or whatever. I don't know. But um, I don't really know. Fidele. I really did. Yours not sounds like, cooler. I did not like the the Fidele chapter. Uh, no. I liked Fidele's uh, point of view 
um, when she was kind of dealing with like the fighting pit stuff and then like that one scene with she's her and Veratus's brother where they were kind of talking about like these riddles and like these this, this just like really kind of establishing even more of the lore for us i really like that, totally. that and that her figuring cool. out that nathera is actually being deceived is what that was there yeah. was a lot in there that was like very helpful for a lot of the book but um, I was not a big fan of like Lycos like marrying her and like controlling her mind. And then yeah. like there was like a sexual assault scene and stuff. And oh, it was just like multiple references to it again as well. Yeah. Like this is really weird. You know, I, I mean, um, not to totally bash like John Gwynn or anything, but I, I do think his female characters are pretty bad. Like it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Like, and you know, like I'm, I'm not really one to like, I'm not like looking for it or anything, you know, like I'm not like. I know that but some, you see it nonetheless. <laughs> I, know that, I know that some some male authors are just like notoriously not not great at it. Some people are really awesome at it, and like it's just a whole big conversation and stuff. I'm not trying to have that conversation right now, but I will say, it is kind of weird that like Gwyn's female characters, like like for them to be a strong character, they have to act like men, you know. And it's just like, man, come on, like what are you doing? Like 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 these female characters, like like Cohen and Coraline are basically the same character. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're basically exactly the same. And their character yep. is that they fight just like the men do, you know? And it's just like, really? And then, and then the one character who does like have like these kind of like more feminine traits or like, you know, whatever that, whatever that means, she gets assaulted. And it's just like, man, like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what are you, what is this? Like, how come all of Cohen's chapters are just like her observing things and not really taking any real action about anything? Just, like what's the point of having her in it at all like what are you doing you know i don't know yeah well there's a female that like corbin runs into as well that's like more feminine and stuff but she ends up like betraying them against the forces right. of totally. so it's that like... scene was wacky dude that was yeah. like the wackiest scene in all of these books is like is like she betrays them because like for like weird yeah. reasons yeah you know? she's and like, like i just she like stabs him in the neck like all of a sudden it's really yeah, and wacky then, i kind of forgot about other... that until you just mentioned yeah, and that and then the wow. other person like stabs her you know and it's just yeah. it all takes place in like 30 seconds Stab and i was Palooza, just like just... what the hell is going on right now this is crazy and i, I did like that um you know corbin <laughs> Corbin uh let me go. let's get let's get let's talk about Corbin actually because okay, okay, uh, okay. Corbin Corbin's a shithead and but I yeah, but I like kinda. him too he's so endearing like it but in like a way where it's like a let me let me just get my thoughts together real quick because so Corbin um one thing I don't like very much is that I don't know how old this kid is like it's really frustrating like I don't I think he's 17 okay but in the beginning of Malice the way that he's introduced he's like a child you know what i mean it's like totally he's like literally like i thought he was like 12. I could be like, wrong about the age he's too. like wrestling with his friend and it's like this playful like they're right, at, like, like the, doing pranks they're, on the girls yeah, they're at like a wedding and it's like this big like starry-eyed thing and it's like i get that they're a little bit you know in the wheel of time there's that kind of thing too but like the way that i mean the, he breaks into brenda's con like hut to like prove his like worth to steal a comb like just, that's a 12 year old act i for just sure. feel like i feel like corbin is older than than i picture him and it, it's making like it's making it difficult to like take his scenes seriously sometimes just because of the way he was like in my mind corbin is like 13 or 14 by now but really he's like 17 or 18 yeah like he's older and yeah i think he Veratus, is Veratus, i picture Veratus as like a much older man but like i guess he's like about corbin's age like, he no he's like older brother to corbin like, you know, he like he's like 20? 22 okay, 20 okay. i would imagine but here's my is problem Kiwin, with Veratis, is Kiwin, sorry hey, let me say, is, is Cohen corbin's older sister i thought she was his younger sister. I, I have no idea I, yeah see that's the I thing have is no like, idea weird that's, that's the thing is like um 
I feel like there's two things in this in this in these books that are frustrating. Um, one of them is how quickly everybody moves around. Yeah, uh, there's and and I think that Gwen does a pretty decent job at like kind of being like, you know, three ten days past or whatever, right? And it's right, like, right. He's covering his tracks, but it also feels a little jarring sometimes. Um, and I think it's fine. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I think it's just it's it's a little rocky you know um to just kind of like jump ahead that far and then because because then you have to bring all of your characters that far with you too you know what i mean so it's like if you right. have a Veratus chapter where 30 days went by now 30 days have gone by for everybody and i totally i don't retain that when i'm like reading those other chapters so that's one thing that i don't like that made writing recap other, really hard <laughs> the other thing is that uh i don't i have a i have a hard time like remembering like specific like things about these characters like i don't know what death looks like i don't know Not what, at all i don't know what heb looks like i don't know nope. what vaughn looks like i don't know who Pretty much Brenna i don't know and, uh, and then another thing while i'm getting some no complaints out of the way one let's of, keep uh, it rolling baby you're yeah, on fire other, my last complaint uh well i'll probably have some more but uh so another complaint is that um and let me let me just qualify this real quick <laughs> this is a debut series by john gwynn and it is very good. Like it, it for a debut like four book epic fantasy series. This is pretty fucking solid. Like this is if very you look at solid. the novels with the perspective of setting up violence to happen in awesome thematic I think ways. It's pretty yeah, cool. for sure. And like just the, <laughs> just the overarching kind of like big story that's happening. Yeah. Like it's like Book of Revelation. Like really awesome stuff going on here. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, it's I, very I, epic. Very much epic fantasy. Um, but uh, one of the things that I'm not a very big fan of is that dude all the names sounds oh, so the names sound list. way too similar it's you have a you have a list i made a list yeah yeah of names that sound similar. <laughs> oh my god let's hear it let's hear it. it's it's like like not even like cool long <laughs> okay check this out all right we've got wraith wrath rafe <laughs> are you kidding me Braith. Wraith, wrath rafe Braith. Yeah. oh oh Braith. i didn't even think of him okay yeah. we've got uh evnis uthus Krellis. Hector, Adana, Owain, here's the M's, this is terrible. Marek, Makin, Michael, Makin, Morkant, uh, Corlin, Cohen, Calidus, Castell, Corbin, Camlin, Connell, Corrent. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. No, like Connell, Connell, and Connell, Camlin, Cohen, Corbin, Corlin, like that, dude, I'm, it's, ridiculous it's pretty it's even pretty azroth outrageous. and elion the dogs the god's name sound kind of similar you have I think like azroth and elion are good enough they're 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 separate enough yeah but okay it's not even just the names though like you have like the hunan giants we have a character named helion um you have like gath dar dar like man you have like these vin thalens you have dun carrig dun like there's a lot of they, yeah. things that sound really similar in these books and it's, it's there's really a lot difficult. of them yeah i mean i think that's one of the things that, that... So it's yeah, it's like the naming and then the the distances. Like I mean, like they go up to Amirius from um, Domhain. They go from Domhain to Benoth like really fast, like really really fast. Yeah, it takes like, forever to get there. But then they're like in Rinslands, like immediately. Well, they were in. Um, they weren't in Rinslands. Well, no, I guess they were. Yeah, when they're it become, done, um... it become Rinslands or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, so yeah like, exactly. Occupied. Those are just kind of like I mean, because at the beginning of the episode, I kind of mentioned that um, you know, it's just kind of having a hard time creating kind of like a vivid picture of all of this in my head. And I think that Gwyn, while he does tell a cool story and he does have some pretty compelling scenes, 
I don't think that these characters are distinct enough from each other, and I don't think we're spending enough time with these characters to yeah. This is not a character really, driven story. Like, there's no Tyrion Lannister in these no. books. There's no, you know what I mean. There's no Sansa Stark. Glockta, Dan, like, whatever. Yeah, like, Dan, Dan, Glockta. There's no, um, there's no Kaladin. There's, there's the, the Carsa Orlon. Yeah, exactly. Like we, and, and I'm not saying that like I can't that the book is bad because of that or anything. I'm just saying it's difficult for me to like think about these when i'm not reading them and be excited it feels a little bit yeah, more like yeah. work that's well right said now then um it still feels really engaging when it's engaging you know um and like i said i and i'm gonna say it again we are halfway through this i think that right i think it maybe but i mean um, these books are pretty large too in our yeah, defense. I, mean, I, think, <laughs> like we're... I think um maybe books three and four once once i feel like personally once i start to kind of get more of a a feeling of kind of like why anything matters <laughs> like, yeah, I don't okay. know. I, just, I feel like everybody's gonna be fine that's sure. like that's my feelings For about sure. everything right now it's like everyone's probably 100 gonna, correct everyone's probably gonna be fine but you know the journey over destination and all that so yeah know, i mean I like i said it's really aided me like literally i'm not i mean it's funny too but like it has literally aided me that to see these books through a a bunch of different ways that are necessary, like necessary, like storylines to know in order to set up these spectacular battle events. Uh, I really think that's the culmination of the book because he's. I just like keep kept asking myself so many times, like, why did he water his story down so? Like, it's it's obviously too many. It's like very clear that like we're getting. If you tell me all of that, everyone's stories, you're telling me no one's stories, and I just you know I know that I'm supposed to think that they're family, Corbin's little group, but like I spent not enough time with them that I don't really feel it, and so. I'm just me personally. I'm kind of helping me. I think um, it's just kind of looking at through like ah, these are all like things I need to know about in order to set up the proper level of understanding. In order so I have the proper level of understanding for these like spectacular strategic battle clash events because uh, that's helped me. Uh, I guess maybe not lose some respect for it because there's just so many. It's just too many. You know, it's just like I wouldn't be able to understand it. Like I said, writing the the summary was like so difficult. Though I'm glad I did because it did help me kind of re-understand everything you know but i shouldn't have to research a fantasy novel i mean well we'll we'll, we'll talk about that when we're reading malazan you know what i mean yeah, man, like I, I i got malazan a lot better than i'm I okay think, malazan you're not you're not you don't have to understand everything malazan uh, that's you're not supposed that's, to that's a fairly fair point but i mean um i think that it, it's like I, I have so many mixed feelings about things right because it's like you know, I'm reading this book and then Torkoal gets introduced and I'm like, oh my God, man, we're like <laughs> yeah. 400 pages into this book. What is that? What the hell are you doing, dude? Like, why hey, are you guys, dad? What's up? But, but the Torkoal chapters were pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like they were right. pretty cool. They're all cool. Yeah, like, I know. And then, so it's like, it's like, I have really conflicting feelings. I'm like, I mean, it's the second book, man. Like, we'll know more about, more about how I feel yeah, uh, later. Yeah, four book like, um, series does evolve differently too. I think so. And I mean, I think that, um, you know, Gwyn is telling the story the way he wants to. And some of it's really working for me already when I don't know a lot about what's going on. I mean, there's some stuff I really want to know. Like one thing in particular that I really want to read is I want to read Veratus finally realizing hmm. the, the depth to which he's been fucking up. You know what I yes. mean? Like, because I, because Veratus personally is my favorite character in this whole series so far. I think he's yeah. the most complex. I think that he's, uh, I like being in his head the most totally. out of everybody. 
man, fully it's gonna, agree. It's gonna like Camlin's like an old dad, you know, but Radis is fun. Yeah, man, for Radis, it's gonna it's gonna ruin this man. Oh, it's gonna like, wreck it's, him. It, like, and I that's like one of the things that I, I really want to read, and I think that Gwyn has been really. I think he's gonna deliver really well. Yeah. Okay, I got a question. Paratus. Sure. Do you think his will be a story at the end of the day about redemption? Maybe perhaps through his growing affection towards Cohen, or will it be at one of the slippery slope of you know the the road to hell is paved in good intentions but what will his be ultimately a story of at the end of the story i don't know about ultimately but i think veratis is gonna have a really hard time unsticking himself from yeah, the he's and i think that that's i think that's you know i mean i don't remember who said it but um you know the only story worth telling is man's conflict with himself you know and so well like said. i think veratis is definitely the character that i've been sticking to the most lately um, so that's like one thing I'm really looking forward to. Another thing that I'm really looking forward to is I want to see Corbin just embrace this thing. Like this, I yes. just I I know that he's a reluctant protagonist. I know, but like, I, what's what's giving me a lot of difficulty with with Corbin is like why, like why is he the Saren Disclair? So like one thing that I'm really looking. It, it hasn't been really given to me. It's he just is. And if that's all it is, that's going to really frustrate me. But if there's a really cool, what I'm waiting for is like, what's going on with Corbin? You know what I mean? Like, well, why Corbin? You think he like possesses like super magic powers or something? I mean, he well, obviously is takes to well, it. See, no, this is an interesting thing too. Cause it's like his dad is dead. His mom is dead. So now, unless, yeah. unless like, there's some information that we learn later that his mom and his dad didn't give him that his mom or his dad were, were, um, were like certain like um, characters of note uh, in the wider world or something but like different um, than his actual mom. There's a part I of me know. that thinks that's the truth. Uh, it could be like a Randall Thor thing. Uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler for the wheel of time, but like Randall Thor is, is a different is from a different part of the world than he thinks that he is. Um, and I think maybe with Corbin, but he's also got Kiwin, who I don't even know if is Kiwin actually his sister. Like this is stuff that I really want to know. I literally just looked at the wiki. It didn't say whether he she was her his younger or older sister. So it's like maybe that kind of leans more to the fact that he's not member of the family for real, though. I think Kiwin is his older sister. I mean, I always thought she was younger, but I could be totally wrong. That's what I thought too. But like maybe that's just I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to, man, the reason that I'm looking forward to that with Corbin is that I hope he's getting, I hope he gets more interesting. Yeah. He's uh, not I don't very. think Corbin's very interesting right now. No. Um, and I, I don't know, like he, he definitely just seems to be very like, um, I don't know, just kind of like reactive and passive oh he's your classic time. hero he's trying to do the best and thing. i think that like, like was yeah, trying no, no to personal make it... inner struggle okay so there's like this there's a part in this book where corvin is kind of thinking a lot he's like kind of ruminating on you know the amount of people he's killed and he's kind of thinking like am i is this just going to become like this thing that i don't even care about eventually like am i going to lose my humanity with this which is like honestly the most interesting part about corvin right now totally um but uh i mean like it's kind of weird to like make your character think that and then have him just like murdering like murdering, so laying him on fire like <laughs> like so and fashioning I think the wolf claws in the forge and then like hacking to people to bits like with wolf I, claws that's really i mean glory. like i think that um so that's and this is gonna be it's gonna be my final like big complaint about this i have a lot of them i guess but there's a lot of book here so it's fine there's um, a lot of book and a lot uh, of that so is like, not super great 
one of the things that kind of bugs me about this series is I feel like the tone is just kind of like all over the place, you know, like we have like mm. these really like wholesome kind of like almost like young adult type scenes, yeah. you know, and then there's just like fucking just murdering everybody just like there's blood and guts and just it's just it's so violent like and it feels very like I'm really being kind of like rocked around here on this boat that is the faithful the big one that got me was the scene between lycos and fidele fideli how you said it was cooler than me so i'm gonna try to use yours but uh yeah it was just like man it doesn't need to get that dark on or i don't know it was just yeah like physically dark yeah yeah like 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 maybe just existentially dark is fine but like yeah yeah, this is getting pretty and it's just yeah and you're right it has tonal problems for sure Yeah, um, so that's like just kind of, and I, I think most of the tone issues come from Corbin's chapters. Like I don't like the McKean chapters, the Veratus chapters, even to a certain extent, the um, the Cohen chapters feel like tonally pretty consistent. And then with Corbin, I feel like Gwen couldn't decide like how to have Corbin feel about a lot of different stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and I think I, maybe that's intentional because of. The way that the story is being set up and stuff right. but um, and if you're a 17 year old going through that i'm sure it would be like different but it doesn't make for very I'd good have, reading i'd have a hard time with it for sure yeah I, for I mean, sure it, that could be kind of like an there's a certain kind of like inborn bias of that we kind of lean to like with regard to narrative where we want our characters to be a lot more um kind of like on top of things or, or um what's the word i'm looking for we expect them more um, out of them than the average person for we, sure we expect them to be more proactive in whatever way that means but right. well, the hero a, heroes are pro yeah and so like kind of like watching corbin just kind of like watch other things happening is just like kind of boring you know yeah like, especially that's especially prevalent when like the whole dath camlin thing is happening because camlin kind of takes dath under his wing because yeah, his dad dad's right. dad just dies well they do a lot of sneaking missions that have horses and hounds around them and those things react when storm gets near and so corbin is kind of like just relegated to watch from the hill while the rest like go sneak <laughs> <laughs> and like take out the horses and stuff you know so yeah Corbin's he's definitely just, just like, like sitting it, around let him go yeah yeah um, but i mean it's it's fine. I mean, I think, like I said before, I, I would really, I hope that Corbin gets a little more interesting seeing as yeah. he is. And, you know, uh, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. Man, but like, you know, I'm just going to keep going back to this, that there's just not enough time with these characters to have each one get super interesting. So, like, I honestly don't know if by the end of this tale, we're going to be singing Corbin's interesting tune. Like I said at the beginning of this, he's kind of a idea that the story kind of revolves around. And yeah, he'll, I'm sure, probably get a love interest and he'll have some interesting things that he happen to him and some struggles. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. guess they're pretty much a thing at this point. Yeah. Like, since the other one betrayed him and stabbed him in the neck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Veratus and Kuin. Like, I'm not buying that, like, at all. Like, Radis just like well, maybe in this room of like Stockholm syndrome, right? I mean, like, like loving I mean, your captor. <laughs> well, like, because I feel like this, the feelings are more. It's like seventy thirty, like for Radis to to you know what I mean? Like, oh, she I turned feel around like, and was like, "I'm gonna miss him," though. And yeah, she like ran a off, little you know? bit, but Veratis is just like, "I'm thinking about this chick all the time." Yeah, well, he wasn't like, I guess, tied up most of the time. What either. I'm saying though is just like, <laughs> I'm just not really buying it because it's just like. Yeah, I guess Veratis, I mean, she's like the only girl anywhere. I think so. she's going to be his redemption at the end of the story. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I, mean I guess that He's going to be, be the path cool. to his his way um, out, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, what better way to utilize a, a woman point of view than to have Dude. her be the savior of the man, you know? Cohen like, is I just, especially I just... mistreated. She's basically just a yeah. window. 
into other She's parts of her. Like, we just get to see through her eyes. Dream girl. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I guess she's going to serve for that too now. Great, but yeah, his his women characters certainly aren't his high points. Like I said, it's the battles, and pretty much only the battles. And I mean, you know, there's a certain level of skill that to to make all oh, of those I things happen and like, like laying this. all these storylines. Oh, but yeah. it's just man, let's go deep with a few, not shallow with many. It makes for such a better story. I think that's a good way of putting it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a question about, cause you're mentioning things that you'd like to know and see um, yeah. what level of Alkion, the giant who's working with Calidus and on the forces of evil, he kind of seems to have this sad woe to him. And he kind of even alludes directly to like him being forced to be in this position by Calidus. What do you think Calidus has over his head? What level is his um, autonomy here? Um, so yeah, Alcyon's weird because um, wasn't there a scene where him and Cohen were talking? Yeah, where yeah, and he was uh, talking about like you don't even want to know what Calidus can do right, if he had exactly. like a lock of your yeah. hair, you know. And that yeah. to me was him being like he has my wife and child or something like that. Well, you I know? think that I think that the giants um, they're they're split into different tribes, and I think that each of those tribes have a certain kind of like relationship to not only the Vintalan but like just the banished lands in general and the history mm. of the banished lands. And um, what 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 clan was? Alcyon from uh there were five giant factions before the god war began the hunan the jotun the benathi and the shechem and the kurgan so i don't I'm know which sure, one he was i think uh, <laughs> that's I, not I could be super wrong about this but i think alcyon is a kurgan that's uh, that's I, that I, rings true i feel like uh, that conversation he'd mentioned i can't remember there's so many conversations but i do think i agree with you though i think that calidus has something over on Al he, alcyon has been really um like a very like grounded emotional presence through a lot of what's been going on around Calidus. And, He's Kurgan. Oh, hey, cool. Yeah. And um so I, I think that and I think Veratus in his own way has kind of like gravitated toward Alcyon because of that. I think Kurgan totally. has gravitated toward Alcyon because of that. Um but yeah I think there's something going on. Like Alcyon's not there because he believes in this cause. At least that's my opinion right. about Which it. is yeah cool if it just like kind of the the brings forth to the to the fore the like weird like not like with this story right it's like that's a cool thing like that's a yeah. cool character element that's that's complicated it's it's fun it takes a little bit for you to figure out and chew with you know you like these characters but they're doing bad things what does someone have over them but like we don't spend enough time with them to like ever care or like get deep with any of these topics you know because these are great things to have in your story but if you just like hint on them then it's like not really in your story <laughs> you know like yeah no i mean it's in there it's def it's yeah. definitely in there i mean i think um i am interested but more <sighs> to see how the final battles will play out <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think that the series has a lot of potential to keep uh i mean i'm still excited potential it certainly has. like I, it's so funny man because like the first like 300 pages of this i was just like Oof, like i don't know what the fuck is going on like this is so much but then in that last like 100 pages I was so glued in. I read that last yeah. 100 pages in like an hour and a half. I was I was just so excited about all of it. And then the ending made me pick up the third book immediately. And I had to remind myself that we had to wait until the end of this episode. So yeah. I had, that, I had that third book on deck because I was just like, let's I even I read the first chapter. But did you? Did yeah, you? It's, it it's seems... a, and it's a pretty cool first chapter. Is it cool? I'm not gonna I lie. Mean... Yeah. For me, but I mean, again, I'm a battle guy. I love me some battle and yeah. like his blocking and his battles. Like, I'm not kidding when I say it. it's they're really, really good. Yeah. And uh, the battle of Rin, where like Rin attacks Owain and then gets betrayed by that, that was yeah, brilliantly really done. Yeah, we just, yeah. Oh, man. Like I said, all of the lack of depth that I got 
almost make his battles worth it in my mind. If I look at the books from like just everything is serving these cool battle scenes that he sets up and then and then orchestrates and maneuvers really and explains really well. Um, it it helps me uh, not be like why Gwyn because the battles are something to behold. Yeah, I mean, um, those parts are really exciting. I think it's just like the kind of parts between them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure 100 percent. they aren't even bad they just they're not they're not bad at all like i mean it's just there's too many of them there's too yeah. many yeah there's and this is all obviously just mine and chad's opinion uh you know i think that when i when i first started these books a lot of people told me that these were like their favorite fantasy books in like years and it like got them back into reading and stuff and i think that's so awesome but like i think also um personally like right now for for me i'm kind of like a little fatigued with epic fantasy right now um yeah. i feel like it's I've certainly just, a perspective i've read, I've read so it, yeah. much epic fantasy and um i think that this is following a lot of trends in epic fantasy that i've oh, read so yeah. many times and it's just I, I think that the amount of tropes in here that i really like but also combined with me not having much of a sense of immersion or place um and also not a lot of like real connection to any of these characters it's just mm -hmm. it's making for a bit of like a laborious read right. for me you're told you know? they're experiencing these things but you don't feel it i don't super feel it no. um i mean I, but see that's the that's why reading and reading Except especially <laughs> well i mean that's why reading and especially reading epic fantasy is so complicated right because um there are moments in this where I, my mouth is wide open and i'm reading this and i'm so engaged and it's it's really really good and then there are some other moments too where i'm just like man i've been reading i read that paragraph like three times like i don't know what the hell just what the hell was that like i don't okay i guess sure yeah like, we're, like the whole drama about like lycos's men like killing some dude and like fidelity getting upset about like it and finding stuff. him it's, with the fisherman like, yeah i forgot I about like, that yeah yeah and like i feel like it's kind of like inception where we're like dude this is like three layers deep of me caring about stuff you know what i mean right. like i like i'm so far removed this this seems so distant from like what's actually going on and then it, it, i get a little whiplash because then we're then we're back into something that's like super important you know and then it's just like well what the hell did i just read like seven pages about though you know and then it doesn't really come up again you know like i mean it kind of does but like not in any super meaningful way you know but maybe it will yeah. in the third book maybe that's maybe that guy dying in that lake is like what sets it in motion like a bunch of really important stuff so it's it's hard to say you know i think he wants us to understand makin and fiddle and how they got to their current state of like on the lamb from their own empire because they're going to like find a bunch of forces loyal to them they're going to start a little faction of warriors and like it, it the them and knowing them and their motivations and things will serve a giant battle that they join at some point later in this book guaranteed like they will get some forces around them and they will and that's why it's important to me at least because i just don't understand why you put so many characters good ones too that deserve like lots of pages to be told their story because it's like complex complex and, and interesting but like not in just one bite of the chocolate cake and then i never you know it's just it's not enough you know so i'm i'm, I'm all in on the battle side and i'm super here for it <laughs> 
I think that's why I like the McCain chapter so much, though, is because, you know, like we start in foreign forest and like everybody's dead. And then there's like this creature yeah. that tries to kill them and they have to escape. And then they're on the run and then they, they find this other king, but then somebody murders that king like right in front of them. So then they got to run to this other castle and then the castle's being besieged and then then they lose the battle. And then McCain. But he wins is, because he can't be defeated. But what just I'm saying. piles that, around him. What, yeah, I mean, McCain's super badass. But like, yeah. it's it's just. I feel like with McCain, there were there were so many parts where I was like, "Whoa, what the hell!" Like that was crazy. But then, then you go read a Corbin chapter, and it's just like they they fought a battle, and um, Heb died. Who the fuck is Heb? Like, <laughs> okay, and that not only that, Heb died, and and Brenna is super upset, super upset about and, it. I didn't really like, know why. Well, that's cool. And then like Corbin, were they doing magic to together? Was she his like magic buddy? Yeah, I think. Okay, okay. I wonder if they were sleeping together. I can't. Like, she was really upset. Um, yeah, but, she I mean, was really. Obviously, upset. you could be pretty upset even if you're not sleeping with somebody. Right, but, good friends, I guess. Um, but yeah, like that was. I feel like with Corbin, I was feeling a lot of. I was being told to feel a lot of feelings. Yeah. Instead of like really being in there with him. Right, Adana like first in her shell, and then eventually she kind of blooms into the queen. But like that whole thing is like so watered down with everything happening. Like it's so little told us about that her being like kind of shy, and then her being like kind of taking the stand and being like the queen she's supposed to be at the end. Like there was an arc there, but man, it was watery. I wish we would have had Adana chapters instead totally. of Corbin chapters for sure. <laughs> I feel like Adana yeah. would have been like, like Adana's dad just died. She's got this huge responsibility on the her weight shoulders. of this whole. Like, yeah. yeah, seriously, like it would have been like way more interesting to read about personally. But totally, whatever. We'll read. Yeah, she's another... just kind of quiet in the yeah, circle. Well, let's read the... another chapter where Corbin just like murders like thirteen people, Dude, and then, and then he, he, you know, throw in a paragraph of him feeling bad about it or something. But, yeah, like, <laughs> questioning the morality. Yeah, but, Dude, I, don't know. I had to laugh at Varadis. He's so like funnily blind, right? Because like I, his party yeah. true is like betraying everybody, and like they're clearly <laughs> the bad guys. Like if you just like stand back for a second and look at it, like yeah. Varadis, come on, dude. <laughs> like, I know that weird. I love that that conversation he has with Nathair. It's just like. <laughs> It's like so embarrassing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> They're like, but he she showed us his wings. So Angel, we're right. Even though all the stuff we're doing is super bad. And like, dude, you're like riding around on like a dragon that like eats horses and stuff. <laughs> you're clearly you're a bad sleeping, guy. Dude. You're sleeping with this queen who's been betraying people for like the last yeah. six months. You super. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like, okay, to be fair to Nathair though. Um, cause I really like Nathair too. And honestly, I would, I wish we had some Nathair chapters. Like I would trade. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh, he's so conceited like, that he'll, he, there's no redemption there. He'll just believe like, whatever, I'm still the right, I'm still doing the right thing, even though I'm the bad one. Once he knows he's the bad well, one. Well, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. I, I think what I was, what I was getting at is that like, you can't really blame Nathair for, um, you know, they, they saw like, for lack of a better word, like an angel, like materialize in front of sure. like, like, yeah, yeah. That would be like rather that, convincing. I, yeah, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, well, um, What's interesting is um, Michael. But you've also seen him do other magic too. So like you know, magic. Yeah, but it's like that's like start figuring it out after a while. But like, I'd be a little starry-eyed about that. Oh, for sure. Like he Uh, did spread his giant wings and be like, "I'm an angel." You know, like that was a thing that happened for sure. You know what I thought was interesting is um, so Michael is a um, Ben Elim. Ben Ben Elim, yeah. It's like, uh, but there's like Saint Michael. Right, the archangel, oh, right. you know. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's um, a, yeah. Michael is a um, cherubim. 
Oh, I didn't know that. But like, I just thought that was like, is that a coincidence? Like, I don't think so. I feel like there is a lot of yeah. Like, no, he's like an archangel of God, archangel of Elion or whatever. I don't know my like. Um, I'm not super read up on biblical stuff, but I feel like this does have like kind of a revelationy kind of bent to it. You know, uh, I think th- I don't think that Gwyn is like doing a one for one um retelling of the book of revelation or anything like that there'd be a lot more things going on but just like the kind of like specifically prophetic nature of this kind of like final battle kind of thing yeah and boiled down it's a fight between two evil spirit beings you know like the good one and the bad one devil and god and they're fighting each other to the end well i like the i like the kind of i like what gwen did with having Elion kind of like bowing out of everything yeah he did that's i was gonna ask you about that <laughs> yeah that's like a really interesting kind of i've it never kind of actually really me. seen that before in high fan high epic fantasy before where you have like this god who it's kind of like agreed on that yeah he is kind of like the if there was a benevolent god there would be um and then there's also the parallels to uh you know the god yahweh um kind of like um essentially Kind I mean, of like El in Hebrew is God, right? Elion. It's like even close oh, wow. in name, just like Michael, like you're saying. Well, and then there's like the the uh, the parallel there where uh there was a sort of like fall, you know, where yeah, there, that is kind of like part of this history too. Um, so that's interesting for sure. But then yeah, the idea that Elion is kind of checked out, bec- that's interesting. I want to hear more about what's going on with that because like Me maybe too. that's maybe that's not even true, you know? Yeah. Well, it was uh, said that he felt so bad about the seven, like artifacts because they cause so much woe I think it's and called I think the, the had... sundering or the shattering or I can't remember yeah and like there's seven of like the cauldron and the necklace and the staff and stuff or in the the axe and I think like he felt really bad about the destruction that those caused and I think he was in some way helped create those maybe I could be totally wrong on that nobody quote yeah, me but I think that's on my this is definitely like I I, I would like cool. a chapter uh, and like there were a couple moments in this book for sure but I would like a chapter in like, the next book or the last book where I need to kind of dumb down a little bit more for me because there was, yeah, there, was there was one in the first book where it was just like it was just this big word soup of like what the hell I think I should go back and read that actually it'd actually be more fun I think to read that first like prologue of malice oh yeah uh, like I might do that before actually before I read um I should too that's a good idea or, excuse me ruin I keep getting them mixed up yeah I get them mixed up all the time too um yeah well it seems weird right because you have <laughs> At, you have Elion, who's like literally whispering in people's ears, though I think the majority of them are convinced they're like hearing their own inner consciousness or whatever. But like he's oh, like actually Asroth? talking to people. Uh, yeah, Azroth. Yeah, sorry, Asroth, the bad one. Yeah. But like Elion, though, could he could super be used right now, no doubt. Like I'm sure the good guys would love some whispers in their ears. Yeah. But he's just like out of the action because he like feels bad about the like what? This seems kind of like lame. Like, man. I wonder if there's something more nefarious going on. Oh, yeah yeah because i don't know it just seems like um there's nothing really there's nothing really like to back up that elion has actually checked out like voluntarily totally kind of interested that could be propaganda maybe from azroth yeah um what'd you think about that scene where meeting (laughs) Azroth? i was like i remember like i was reading along and i was just like okay we're doing this this is (laughs) All right, really? Like, what's what the hell? It's like a time chapter or something. You know, it's like when you meet your gods, they innately, inherently, like almost definitionally become less intimidating, less scary, less mysterious. They lose the mystique, you know? Like, yeah, he so now like he's just like a like wind a guy in a literal dude. place. Yeah. yeah. He was just like, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, okay, is this yeah, the guy? Something that like, was yeah. refreshing about these books was that 
Mathair, yes, being totally tricked and everything, but like Rin and Evnis, they know <laughs> they're on the side of bad. Like yeah, they're like, awesome. we're bad. Yep. Well, totally Evnis, with it, okay, which is so, rare, and I like so, that. So Evnis has his reasons, or had his reasons, I should say. And now he's just kind of like following. What was his reasons? He his got with wife. Rin like it was his No, wife. no, that was just to get the cauldron. He allied with Rin way long time ago. They were lovers way back in like their youth. And he like did this like secret uh... like um like thing where he like promised himself to, to the evil god yeah, that was like one of the first chapters in malice like i um but i think that that was because it wasn't i don't know if it was because oh, you think that wife. was for his wife well i think he wanted a certain amount of power um but it, like with rin it seems like she's like all in to she's like into it you know what I yeah, mean? She, she's like that one uh scythe uh in in um the arc of a scythe yeah, yeah. In the arc of a scythe yeah the one who's just like all about killing you know <laughs> Oh, Goddard? Yeah, Goddard. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, he was just bad. He was just evil for evil's sake. Like, no yeah. deeper reason like than Evnis, just killing that people. Was, that, was another thing, that was another thing that kind of bummed me out about this book is that um, I really liked Evnis in Malice. And he had like Lots one chapter in this book and just kind of got pushed off to the side. I don't really uh, know where he is at the end. I think he's still at Dunkerque. Think so? I think so. Yeah, because he tells Mithair and, um, and Calidus that the cauldron is in Muriel, but I don't think he goes with them. I think it's Murius, not Muriel. Oh, you're right. It is Murius, my bad. Oh, yeah, I, I want to correct that, actually, because the whole recap, you were saying Muriel. Oh, dude, I even Murius. thought that. I was driving in the car today, and like I was listening to some books on tape because there's a few questions that I had in my recap to make sure it was right. And I remember hearing it and being like, I need to change all of those. And I didn't think about it again until just the second. <laughs> so okay. sorry, guys. <laughs> Did you notice uh, that at the end of this book, they're looking for a cauldron, just like in Akatar? <laughs> yeah, I did indeed. Yeah. Yeah, no there's, I mean, yeah, there's, anything. you know, say what you want about the epicness of this story. There's, uh, you know, there's not a lot new under the sun here. It's put together in an interesting way. And like I say, the battles almost make all of the bad things that we're talking about, like, worth it. Like, almost, in my mind. I might even say they do, because they're really darn good. But, like, uh, uh, like I know that for a lot of this episode, I've been kind of, like, complaining about stuff. But, like, and I've been I, am, about battle. <laughs> I am really motivated to keep reading these. Don't get me wrong, listeners. Like, don't, like, I've... I have read a lot of epic fantasy in my day, and this is nowhere near bad. Like this is nowhere oh, yeah. near like like I really this is good really... enough for us to read it and complain about it. Oh good. yeah, no, yeah. I like I really enjoy talking about these. I really enjoy reading these. I think that they are a little bit on the bloated side. I think for that sure we could probably have gotten away with a trilogy you could here. From you know? But see, that's the other thing too is that I've been thinking about that a lot too. Is like as I've been writing and stuff, and kind of like creating my own stories, and um, just like reading a lot of other people's stuff. Is it's like this is the this is the the tone and the pace that this writer wanted this story to be told at like obviously he was comfortable enough with it to publish it and if it rubs up against my personal taste that's one thing but like it's not objectively bad by any means no. like i mean it's it's definitely um i feel like there's a certain um vibiness to a lot of these kind of slower scenes that i think gwen is really getting away with you know like gwen is definitely there's some scenes where we've got characters kind of just sitting on horses talking to each other, and I really appreciate those scenes a lot. Are they a little bit boring? Are they maybe a little bit superfluous? Like, do we really need like a whole scene of like Veratus uh, and Nathair riding up to go talk to Veratus's dad when that chapter could really probably start with Veratus's dad? You know what I mean? Like, it it could probably start where where the really interesting part is. Yeah, 
like that would make for a punchier story but that's not the way Gwyn wanted to tell it like Gwyn wanted that scene with them on horseback talking to each other and getting to know each other and that's just kind of the the type of story he wanted to tell um but like i said uh you know like 500 pages of it <laughs> it's just like woof but like like chad said though we get those sweet drizzles of amazing battle sequences and they're real good you know and they're pretty frequent too like we have i can think of three major troop movement scenes where we have two huge armies you know one defending a city and then we have the one where uh corbin does like the wolf strike to get fear on in them before they rout them the next day that was pretty cool um and then we kind of I was surprised that we didn't hear more about Veratus's moment of victory after that. Once Corbin leaves to go find Cohen, and then uh, the, those two battles, those two um, armies face again, and his shield wall is super effective and wins the day. But we just kind of like I don't know, it wasn't as cool as it could have been. And I was like, man, for a book about all about battle, which I'm thoroughly convinced of at this point, I was like, that was weak. How did they get from Domhain to Benoth so quickly? They really march fast, dude. They march fast. <laughs> did I miss something? Like, did it say like? It could have in the text that some amount of time had passed or something. It might have, it, yeah. <clears throat> I don't uh, know. What do you think about Corbin's bomb dying? Honestly, I'm really surprised it didn't happen earlier, right? Like, what hero at this point yeah. still has his mom around? Um, yeah, because it's just such an easy way for our characters to suffer and and grow, you know, and kind of be on yeah. their own and then find themselves. Um, I, I thought it was kind of cool that she was around for so long. Again, I I actually really liked the fact that they had this weird tension between their relationship when she was like, you are my God's like chosen avatar in this realm. And he's like, this is a really weird relationship to have with my mother. And they have this like tension that's like hinted at for a chapter. And then they have a conversation. that's like all good. He's like, I don't believe you. And I'm going to keep on like not talking about it until like I see more evidence. And she's like, that's okay. You can choose to do that. And then they go back to like mom, son. And it would have, you know, again, that's a really like interesting kind of like deep um, interaction between the two and, and um, unique, but, we kind of hear about it once and then they have a conversation and it's solved. And then like, I don't really know if Corbin still thinks that he's the Serendis Glare or not, you know, again, another really cool things in this book is just, just kind of drown out in the, in the myriad of other pretty cool things in this book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I feel like it would have been kind of cool to have Corbin's mom around for like all of these books. Um, yeah, she did go down kind of like anticlimactic. Like running. I don't know. Yeah, like it's just happening at the end of it like that. I don't know. It just it felt a little bit like uh, I don't want to say predictable, but I'm gonna say predictable. Super predictable. It yeah. Wasn't necessarily predictable. It was just like it made sense when it. Were happened. you sad? No. No. I me wasn't. neither. Like, and, yeah. and, and I think that um the reason though is just because like it it kind of I think uh, well I mean if I was I felt a little bit sad but just the only reason I felt sad was because uh Kiwen and Corbin and his mom had finally it, it was very short-lived the, the amount of time that they were actually able to be together uh, I think she said something like my darlings or something and it was just like it was like pretty heartfelt for sure but like in that moment it was sad but like I wasn't super sad it felt like the author killed the mom to get the mom out of the story to to make Corbin feel more of a motivated and like yeah and in this fight (laughs) yeah and it would have been cool for that motivation to come from something other than his mom dying yeah you know um like find a different button or like maybe learning more about what the serendis glare is and like maybe learning more about the world you know like maybe learning more about like 
how people are suffering because of a certain situation that's happening and like why he's important to make that suffering stop. And like, I don't know, it just would have been like, like, it's not a very good motivation for Corbin to like save the world. Cause like his mom died, you know what right. I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just like, like, okay. Like it's, and you know, they almost again, cool, but not complete and not enough. They had this like weird moment where he like gets freed from Rin's clutches after he almost dies in Dun Vanner, I think. And then she's like, everyone likes you. Like you're a good man. People will follow you into battle. And this is like, this is where you're like, Oh cool. Like if I would have spent like a more time with him, I would be having this like, awakening moment of him being like i am the saren disclaimer seizing my destiny kind of to be fair (laughs) to be fair i know i've said this like 12 times there's two more books true that i mean and i I think that like as we kind of start wrapping up here because we want to we want to keep this episode pretty i could keep talking about battle for a long time yeah (laughs) Um, but i think that to wrap up i mean like it's it's very important that everybody listening they just remember chad and i are kind of like you know kind of raking this over the coals a little bit but it's because like you know there's two more big giant books that are i feel after like i'm being pretty complimentary the battles make it almost <laughs> worth it i'm saying like it's almost worth it no, to read like, these books of the battles you know, know that's crazy i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> keep in mind that there are developments that will happen that might explain a lot of our misgivings with very this. true you know what i mean like and i try to that's why um like when people ask me if i like the king killer chronicle i'm like I think I do. I mean, like, <laughs> it's right, not right. done yet. Like, I don't know how to, like, it's, it's hard for me to, like, really judge any of these characters because I don't know. Like, it's an unreliable narrator. I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, I don't know what anything really means because there's no conclusion to anything. So, like, when I, when we are halfway through a series like this, um, you know, just remember <laughs> that we could be wrong about, like, literally everything. This could all be in some kid's snow globe. You know, like, we have yeah. no idea what's going on. The right world now. is a mirage. Everything is fake. Yeah, like um, the gods that were just, like, two pigeons and the prophecy got totally mistranslated and everybody gets ice cream at the end of this. Like, we have yeah. no idea what's going to go on. I, I bet if we try to figure it out, right, we won't. But I feel like if we were to sit down, like, you and me, with our history of the reading knowledge that we have within us, we could probably, I could probably figure out within, like five or six like major deviating things like we could figure this story out from what we have right now it's just i know how it's gonna end you well, know? it's gonna uh, be interesting why don't you give me some predictions well while we, while we okay. round this out yeah so right now we have the forces of evil in quite a lot of control rin has like most of the countries it seems like west. pretty much all yeah. of them yeah and the there he's not, got his not evil all the guard the, the west the, the, all the west yeah, yeah you're right she doesn't have uh, but the other ones like aren't super rallied yet so i think the rest of these books are going to be a series of skirmishes between the forces of good and evil being led by like makin like i said earlier makin and um fidelay nathair's mother they will be leader of one force you will have um Coraline, i think she'll be the leader of a force and there's uh, uh idana i think she'll be the leader of a force you'll have cambrin um Corbin, excuse me, you'll have Corbin, who is like obviously the leader of a force, and they'll be skirmishing with the forces of evil. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better, but I think at the end, a lot of the forces of evil will be convinced to fight for good, and it will turn the tide, and they will find redemption, and also kill the evil, and everyone will, you know, a lot of death and destruction will happen in the interim, but I think evil will die, and good will prevail, and I think Corbin will live happily ever, ever after at the end of the story maybe he has to sacrifice himself and i could see i could see him having to sacrifice himself pull like a harry potter sort of thing you know maybe yeah i mean i think that um i think that a lot of what book three is i think a lot of book three is going to be kind of what you're talking about is like these kind of established 
uh, or no, excuse me, not established, but these factions becoming more established for yeah, running, collecting, up, fighting. I think Nether is well, obviously um, Nether as the black Su- black star, black sun, black sun, black sun, black um, star. That's no, it's the bright star and black sun. Yep, you're right. <clears throat> um, I just get it confused because there's a Radiohead song called Black Star, and so oh. I keep wanting to call it that. But I think of Black uh, Star like most definitely Talib quality. That is a really cool uh, album. Such a good album, man. <laughs> Black Star album. one yeah. and two. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, most definitely Talib quality. Oh God, what was I saying? I think that um, what would be really cool. I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think what would be really awesome is if Nether is not the Black Sun. Oh, but he thinks that he is that after he finds out that he's not the bright star. And so I think, what, that. I think what would be really interesting, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but I think it would be really cool if Corbin actually is the bright star, but Nether is just Nether. The black sun mm-hmm. is something that Nether is going to have to come to Corbin's side for them both <gasps> to Dang. tackle whatever the real, like, because I think Nether, I that happens. I don't think Nether is. I'm kind of split on it because I think Nether is corruptible enough to be. He jumped the, on having a riding dragon. So I just fast, don't but. think that, <laughs> I don't think that he really can. I don't think Nether he can killed be, his dad. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he, his dad. he did kill his dad. No, you're right about that. Yeah. So like, I don't. Yeah. But I hope I'm wrong because that's way more interesting. I, okay, I know that this is this is gonna sound pretty messed up, but I think that. There is still a pretty big gulf between killing your dad and like literally being the avatar of Satan. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> both really bad. The like, avatar of the evilest creature, both, like both <laughs> awful. Like I agree, embodiment of evil. <laughs> both not people I would get a beer. With, no, no, definitely not letting watch my kids. Yeah, Nefer just doesn't strike me as black sun material. You know what I mean? You're like, right. You're like, totally right. So there's something about this story that's make, like, and I think he that, was even the second choice, as we were led to believe. Like they wanted Corbin, see, right? That's why that I think that that conversation You're with right. Azroth, as, as dorky as I felt like that Azroth conversation was, I think it was really <laughs> important though, for for that reason. You know what I mean? Like I just, yeah, Nathair, he's just he's just too he's too much of a dork. Like yeah, doofus. Yeah, like he just doesn't strike me as like. Now, now the reason I'm split on that is because of Calidus, right? And I think right. that, and I don't think Calidus is the Black Star, Black Sun either. No, he's I, leader of the Kavadim or whatever the evil, the opposite of the, the Benelim Kash, is. Kashadim. Kashadim, something like that. Yeah, like that. Um, I don't Kadashim. know. Kadashim, yeah. Kashadim. Kadashim. You're close uh, enough. <laughs> I could, but I, could, you know, obviously I could be wrong about this, but I just something about Nether. Um, I think that. It would be a real shame for Nether to just assume this position because I think he's smarter than that. I don't know. It, it would feel a little anticlimactic for me personally. Yeah, I really hope you're I hope right. It's, I, hope it's so more, I hope it's a little more complicated than Nether finding out he's not the good guy and then just being cool with it. Like, yeah, you know, being like, well, power. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't want that to happen. Um, if it me does, neither. then I'll keep reading it, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. that uh, Kiwin is probably gonna remain about as boring as Cohen is unfortunately yeah she'll be used as a window for us to observe I'm, other I'm parts not of the tale soaked about it personally like I, I feel like these Cohen chapters are pretty boring and like just kind of 
not great. Um, but that's that's fine. Uh, seeing more yeah, out her of... like being like super protective over Shield Storm. What's the Shield is the horse and Storm is the well because like I think the reason uh, I obviously she's really protective. She doesn't know anything about this prophecy, but um, like Storm and Shield are really important to like this right, prophecy, right. Obviously, so I guess um, she's like being fed by prophecy or led by whatever. But it's just weird that she's like, "All oh, my family left, but like home is here because my brother's horse that he just got like <laughs> in the last book." <laughs> But maybe that is, yeah, like, uh, yeah. I don't know, fate and destiny are weird things, you know. Damn, um, damn true. Um, but yeah, I think uh, with Makin and Fidelity, I don't really know. I think I kind of agree with you. I think, if I mean, if I was writing this series, I'd be like, let's start lumping some stuff together. You know what I mean? Like, we let's need get, to. Like, please. that's what I would do. I would be like, let's get McKean and Fidele. Like, let's get them kind of joined up with somebody. Let's get you know, as a like, much of a battle enthusiast as I am. Like, it would help me to. I had to read those things a few times to fully get it. Still, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't. And I don't think that's what's going to happen in this book. I think we're going to get a little more divided up before we start getting more. Um, i agree like yeah uh, and that's fine I think there'll be a couple real solid shakings of the snow globe in this because we won a lot of fights in this book i mean it was all constant retreating but we had some victories you know yeah, usually once no, corbin yeah. left then i mean i think that one of the things that um this book was lacking for me which i want to see more of is i want some plot twists like i want some yeah. you know what i mean like some some good like revelations here you know like I feel like we haven't really got gotten any of those. Like, I think the no. only one we've really gotten is we've like gotten fake of, ones. Panathrin's alive. Why? It doesn't yeah, even uh, matter. Who the cares? Care, yeah. Who the hell cares? He literally, cares? Like, he Evanus, literally like, leaves. Like, <laughs> yeah, and like we never see him again. Like, why did Evans even save him? We have no idea. I mean, there's another kind of revelation that like Gar is part of the Jahar, and then we yeah, see Tukul's his father still alive. Is that, that's like, something. Like, I guess uh, finding out that Halian and Connell are like the sons of Aramor, or whatever his name, Aramon, and right, right. Like, that doesn't really matter. Corbin discovering he's like the uh, bastard son of like Rin and Evnis or something. That's the twist. We right, need, exactly. You know? That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or um, like I said, or finding out that Nathera is not actually the black son at that all. Would, like, that, that's the best one that I've heard on. Really that. Interesting. Um, Real good. You know, finding out uh, something, something else about the giants would be cool. I feel like yeah, or why the gods gone. We keep flirting with the giants, you know, and I want weirdly like it's like when I started this book, we got these Uthas chapters and I was like, oh, shit, here we go. All and right. then we had like we had like a couple of cool chapters. I mean, but right, like, some crow drama. <laughs> the crow. Seriously, drama. though. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's that's our episode hey, for for uh, book two, everybody. We're I gonna just, we're uh, gonna wrap up on this. Yeah, if a little you, all over the place, but yeah. If one thing we can definitely walk away being one hundred percent certain of here is if you build a keep, much like the giants of Eld, uh, you should absolutely put a labyrinth of underground tunnels beneath it. Some of which lead beyond the wall because it will save so many characters time and time and time well. and time again. The giants didn't build anything without tunnels, man. Every one of these keeps they have tunnels. <laughs> smart so if you're building the keep tunnel it up guys put some tunnels down there so that put your main tunnels. characters can survive the many battles that are going to plague that <laughs> yeah at least the air <laughs> um yeah i mean you know book two uh I'm excited yeah we're, we're moving into the uh the, the real meat of this series and yeah i bet there is going to be some man, I bet book four is gonna be crazy Dude, crazy <laughs> crazy will i care as yeah. much as i should no but it's gonna be crazy we'll see maybe you will there's maybe a lot will. more book there's prove a lot me more wrong book. and please I mean, I'm not I'm not turned off from reading no. a more John Gwynn. Like I want to read this Bloodsworn saga I keep hearing Me so too. much about. Me too. Those covers are so good. 
We should when you know what that third book is coming out next year. We should cover those on the uh, on the old podcast. We should, we should the old podcast, the old podcast. We should cover it on it, dude. I like reading a book and talking about it so much more than I like just reading about a book or <laughs> reading oh, it's a book. A blast. just reading a book. It's no, no, I mean I'm gonna have even more fun reading. What is it? <laughs> ruin, <laughs> ruin something, ruin wrath. malice, valor. It's malor, malice, valor, ruin, and then wrath, wrath, wrath. Yeah, I guess ruin makes sense for like a third book, actually. Yeah, totally. But the V starts with the V, and it's like at the end of the alphabet, so it's kind of like throwing it off, throwing right. us off a book too, you know. All right, that's gonna do it for us today, everybody. That was Thank fun. you so much. Yeah, uh, th- it's really good to be back into the swing yeah. of things, so to speak. I mean, this this is you're gonna be listening to this uh, days after we recorded it, so and maybe uh, even we, years. You know, it's never an unrelevant content. Uh, that's true. Yeah, people are gonna uh, need a companion to hold their hands know, with these uh, books. I feel there like is, you know? there is no recap on the internet of this book, so there is not. So, and, and that speaks enjoy, to everybody. exactly our whole point here. Go into the wiki and see how like scattered it is with the information. Oh, it writing gives you. this recap was a nightmare. A nightmare. <laughs> like, we delayed was, this podcast twice, guys. Because we, we were ready to record. I finished time. this book like a week ago, and yeah. we've been just writing the recap for like the last week. Yeah, like, I know and that, I, that I, sounds ridiculous, but we really have been delaying this episode. Yeah. And I certainly am first to admit that I struggle with like how much because I know many of you have read the book and many of you and some of you I've been told have not. And so it's really helpful to those obviously to be detailed who have not who listen to the podcast episode. But I struggle with it and I tend to over detail, you know, and then we took an extra day. So I had the <laughs> time. Send so. me this. Sometimes Chad will send me stuff just because he's kind of like burning through it and I want to edit it and make it readable, you know, uh, and I'm just like, vomiting. And, yeah. yeah. And so I'll kind of like go through it. And then he sent me like this draft <laughs> and I looked at it as like like a second and a half into the email. I was like, dude, you put way too much in here. It, he was like, go, it was like literally like the motions of how people were fighting. <laughs> like, yeah, but, it was, but the fighting was what it was all about in my I mind. Know, so it was sad so, to not. It's so you know? funny to like read a summary. I know it's silly. It's like, yeah. it's like what are you going to include their facial expressions in here too yes, like are you yes. gonna rewrite the book for us yeah a little bit of drama in those summaries you know very good uh, anyway that's it that's it that's the whole episode everybody love uh, it there will be no more episode in just a few seconds uh, everybody <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode join us in a couple weeks probably for our recap of ruin book three and we'll do book four and we'll have wrapped up a very large very long cool series uh john gwen if you're listening to this which uh, we know you are we know you're listening to this thanks for thanks for being a good sport you wrote some cool books they're really long <laughs> yeah, your battles kill though Woo! yeah they do anyway uh bye everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode hope you have an awesome hope you have an awesome rest of your day and of course happy reading bye everybody